Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is a first try for us in a what we're doing is like a deeper dive uh, into what we talk about on Wednesday nights. So if you were with us last night on our live stream, uh, you will have already heard some of this. But uh, what we hope this time is, is Nick and I are going to uh, jump into our topic of calling in a, in a deeper way and spend a little more time than maybe we had uh, on the live stream. So uh, welcome. How are you doing, Nick? I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I am, uh, I would say I'm like a little bit tired mm. right now. Yeah. Um, definitely like, I think I'm just sort of tired of quarantine. I would, I would love to, you know, be hanging out and all that again and, and kind of get life back to whatever normal is going to look like, but, uh, real. What do you miss the most? Oh, I mean, outside of like being with people. Cause I think everybody's there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, honestly, like youth was the highlight, like Tuesday nights for me were the highlight of my week. Um, getting to come and hang out on Wednesdays as well was a highlight for sure. I think as well, like, uh, and this, this is going to sound weird, but like I miss my time by myself because mm. it, it was more meaningful when it was rare um, <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah, yeah no I know what you mean yeah like it it just kind of like it hit different when you're like oh man I can take like I can take a couple hours to myself right now mm. and like it felt good it was just nice to chill out and and kind of have that time to to relax whereas now it's like all right you know what let's do something i'm tired of doing nothing mm, like mm-hmm. let me out please would you say like you're extroverted introverted introverted extrovert extroverted introvert yeah i'm i'm a mix between the two of them for sure um i i really do enjoy hanging out with people quite a bit but i love i love time by myself like yeah i i would say i equally love hanging out with people and you know doing a fun activity versus you know fishing by myself for Mm. seven hours like i'd be fine to do that and i'd be fine to you know go golfing with a group of friends for a number of hours as well yeah oh well hey golf courses are open yeah yeah Um, but i mean the golf the apparently the uh the clubhouses aren't. So, I mean, I'm not exactly sure how they're navigating that, but. It just kind of like, I'm a little bit worried still. Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid that I'm going to get ill or anything like that. But like, you know, we're still getting, it's still a risk. And, yeah. and things are opening back up. And, you know, I yeah. think we're pushing a little bit under 200 new cases a day. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm not like, I'm not going to rush out, I don't think. Yeah, me neither. I think that I think, and I think you'll see two different people. Uh, one will just flood out and like <laughs> let me out of my house as fast as you can and be around all the people. 
And then there's going to be the people who like, oh, pump the brakes. Let's maybe not get together so quickly. Or if they do get together, they're going to be the people who stand 10 feet away from everybody because they're still a little bit worried. It's going to be in the back of their head. And, uh, and they're going to be worried that, that maybe, just maybe, um, there still might be something out there. Like, I, I'm, I'm so interested to see what the first, like, church service, like, whatever that actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, will be once once the like the restrictions i mean we go to a church where even if they raised the um the number to like 250 i I think we still probably couldn't do it um we wouldn't be able to get together some churches would but just because of the size of of ours it's still going to be i think it's still going to be a while which is which is sad but well i'm sure worship team would have no problem going to like five or six services yeah yeah it's not that. I mean, if you do it three times already, what? You know, what's the problem with adding three or four more? Nine to six p.m. on a Sunday. Let's <laughs> let's go. We're gonna see. Oh, we're gonna see a whole new level of church. It's gonna be good. But no, I think the thing that, ironically, that I actually think I missed. That's one of the things I missed the most is, um, is worshiping with people. Um, yeah, for sure. I've I've like so on Sunday, I attended a church in no Saturday. Sorry. Saturday, I attended attended because I can a church in Australia, uh, yeah. which I thought was because they were live, they were on YouTube, and so like they're day ahead of us. So I figured I'd drop in, and uh, it was such a unique experience. They only had two worship people going, um, and and I just I don't know. For me, I've really struggled with the worship on the screen. I think I can get used to the teaching and preaching part of things. Um, but I've, I've found, I miss the in-person worship. I agree. I, I've had a hard time worshiping on screen. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, I think like I, I look back to, um, our, our, uh, classes with Bill McAlpine when we were still in school and he had, uh, he had a couple of classes on like the theology of worship and, mm-hmm and sacred spaces and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we discussed this topic of like communal worship and how worship is supposed to be communal. And, and we do a good job right now of, of um, doing the best with what we've got, but there's something about communal worship that it's just so much different and it, it's, I mean, it's better. Like we can, yeah. we're allowed to say like, it is. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're doing a great job with what we got, but it's mm. better the other way. Uh, it is. It has been fun to see how people get creative. Like, I don't know. I've seen a few of those, um, few of those videos on YouTube that are coming out of like different churches in different countries. Like, so they'll get like probably I imagine like the best singer in their church singing one song, and they all they'll they'll patch it together. And I I think that's phenomenal. But it's mm. good. But it's you know you still kind of feel like oh imagine in person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's jump into what we're talking about and what we did talk about, which was calling. Um, We're jumping into a new series called Apprentice and using the Book of Mark as kind of a a roadmap to help us like learn what it means to follow Jesus, especially not just especially in COVID-19 times, but because I think we all need to know um, and have like this idea that I hope in our prayer and you you and I have talked about this a lot where we hope that our students become not dependent on us, the pastors to, to get 
their food, their spiritual food, right? Like there is a space and a time and a, and a place, I think, for, for preaching in the church. But we're hoping that in this series, we'll give some like helpful um, direction, tools, conversation uh, as to like how, how, does, how does a student follow Jesus? How do you develop your relationship? How do you know what Jesus is calling you to is what we're talking about today. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our first one is we thought that it was important to the starting point. Um, we just wrapped up a series on the gospel, which I thought was so good. And, and, um, I think that it, it laid a lot of good foundations for, for this one. Uh, and so, yeah, calling, I think we got a couple of questions that we're going to try and answer, but when you hear the word calling, like mm-hmm. what is, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, a landline telephone. Uh, <laughs> nice. I, <laughs> I don't know if you had, like, you remember the old, the, the, uh, well, I mean, they're not that old, but they had the curly uh, cord. Yep. They were so much fun. They I, were so much fun. I always would mess that up because mm-hmm. I would like fiddle with it. And it was, we, our main phone was in our kitchen mm-hmm. and it was like right next to the little itty bitty computer that we shared as a family. And so I would, I would like sit on the computer and eat my cereal and watch TSN every morning before school. Nice. And I would fiddle with this cord and I would just mm. like destroy them by accident. Right, right, right. I think my challenge was I was trying to see how many curls I could get around my pinky. Uh, oh, yes. Like the longest finger and just see like just the games you would play. And then, you know, the six feet radius when you were talking on the phone. I was, yeah. I'm was i a wanderer when I'm talking on the phone. So yeah, like, totally. You know, eventually you get that, you hit the end and you like you hear the phone drop and your line get disconnected or, <laughs> or when somebody left you a voicemail and your dial up internet didn't work. I don't know if you oh. ever had that, but that was for sure a thing for us. The first internet we ever got. Yeah. We didn't get internet like right away. The, we kind of, I don't think we jumped onto the internet until sort of the dial up bubble was starting to mm. burst. So yeah. Yeah, my parents didn't give us the voicemail password. So if we had a voicemail, there was no getting on the internet. Uh, We always used to come home. Well, at least I would always come home and I'd I'd listen to the answering machine and like listen to all the voicemails, Mm. which which would have been fine if I wasn't 12 and forgot to relay them to my parents. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm sure... There were a few follow-up phone calls. Hey, we left you a message about, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, oh, who was it? Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was their number? I don't know. Yeah, it was like, there was no notepad. It's like, they didn't set us up for success. I mean. Yeah. Hey, mom, uh, Kathy called. Who? Which, which Kathy? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Kathy. I don't know. She said Call Kathy. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, good times. Dial up internet, man. What a time that was. Oh, what a time to be alive. When I think of calling, I think of like, honestly, I call my dog to come and like mm. either a, she's wandering away, come back here, come, come close to me, like that sort of thing, which I would say she's mediocre at, at best off leash. Like if there's other dogs around so much distraction and she just is kind of can hesitate. She's stubborn, but yeah, that is, or that is evangelistic is. maybe yeah there you go she's She's just so driven yeah 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 that's good so when you when we when we talk about like following jesus and calling Mm -hmm. you and i are in two different like 
probably the most unrelatable position to everybody listening right now in that we've been called to full-time ministry. Um, now maybe right. there's some people on here who are listening and they're like, yeah, that's me. But I imagine for all the students listening, boom, we've already lost a ton of people. <laughs> so what do we, what do we mean when we say calling? Um, cause I think we're, we're, we're going to break that down a little bit, how you and I found, received, accepted, obeyed our calling in terms of our jobs. But also we believe that Jesus has something to say to what every, what he's calling everybody to do. And and so what, um, what would you say to somebody that's a student and saying, I don't know what Jesus is calling me to do? Um, or could you like break that down a little bit? Well, I think the first thing that I, I usually notice, and, and this is not for all cases, because sometimes we do all the right things and we still don't hear from God. Mm. But I would say the majority of the time that somebody says, I don't know what God is saying, or I don't hear from God or, um, you know, something, something along those lines. A lot of the time it, it falls back to, are we, are we really listening? Like how, how hard are we listening? Are we taking hours of our time out of our day to sit in silence and listen to God? Um, a lot of the time, and I, I do this too, I'm, I'm totally guilty of, you know, I'll pray about something, I'll wait four and a half minutes, and if God doesn't respond right away, then in my head I'm like, all right, well, guess it's his will not to follow up on that, and then I go about my day. Yeah. And, and that's not the right response. Like, mm. you know, I, I think if we're going to ask God for something, even something small, we need to be willing to wait for an answer. Yeah. Uh, and especially when it has something to do with like what our calling is in life. Like, you know, I didn't, I don't think I came to terms with my calling for probably like, I would say almost five years from mm. when I first asked God, like, what am I going to be when I grow up? was probably how I asked it when I was uh when I was still kind of searching mm -hmm. um, and I would say it was probably about five years before I before I got an answer um it's not so Amazon delivery hey it, it's Amazon <laughs> delivery it's not prime delivery yeah. <laughs> it's, it's delivering uh, from China yeah it's it's China delivery um but yeah, I would say like, usually when I get a question like that, it's not that they've done anything wrong. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're not asking the right questions. It's usually that we're just not listening the right way. Yeah. Yeah, that's legit. I actually think you bring up a really interesting point of like, A, the, the timing. And also, I think I, I would ask like, in your personal story, like, what were you hoping to hear? Um, and I mean, like, cause I had an idea and I can tell, I can tell my story a little bit of like what happened with mine. And, and I heard, I heard right away and I was not happy with the answer. Um, hmm. because I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I I'd, I'd seen the church in its worst state. I had experienced it my most, and if not all my, my life. And I just, 
I had no interest and, and it was, it was about a five year process until I actually finally answered. Like I would say it was like two weeks before I started Ambrose that, that I finally answered the call and then applied for Ambrose and got in. Um, and I, I remember hearing like directly that he wanted me to be a pastor. He wanted me to preach his word and shepherd his flock. And I just was like, nah, like hard. Nope. And, and I, I say now these days that, man, I wish I'd have, I have that kind of direction every single day. And that's, that's just not how God functions. Um, at least not all, all the time, uh, in his directness and what he calls us to. But yeah, I think that a timing is one. Are we listening? Um, and are we ready for what God's going to say? I think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles um, for people in whether that's like vocation, aka your job, or um, just on a day to day thing. Like, so for example, you and I are walking downtown when this is all over because I mean, I've been down to down to downtown forever and we want to be around people. And I ask God, is there anybody you want me to pray for? And boom, he points somebody out that I just am all of a sudden terrified and don't want to pray for. I asked, and I think I felt like I received an answer. But I'm not willing to follow up with what he said. So, which begs the question, would God give us an answer if he knows our heart and says, are we willing? Yeah, that's a a great answer as well. Like the... And, and again, like personally, I've, I've experienced that as well. And, and that was a learning process for me where I asked God. And in fact, it was that same, uh, very similar situation where I was downtown and I, I didn't necessarily ask um, the question, but I was down there kind of prepared, like letting God know if there's anything you want me to do, let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and somebody was pointed out to me. Um, and and I, I didn't I didn't follow through, um, and that was something that that yeah that that was a learning experience for me for sure. And and it doesn't get easier. And I think people think that once you become older or when you get baptized, like we put we kind of put these like levels of maturity on certain Christian practices, and they think like okay, well you know once you believe this or once you get baptized or once you you know, start discipling or get a mentor, then things get easier. It's like, well, they kind of don't like, Mm -hmm. it's still just as hard for me now to willingly go up to somebody that I feel like God has called me to talk to or pray to or whatever, Mm -hmm. or pray for rather, um, than, than it was when I was, you know, 14. Mm -hmm. It's, it's no easier now, um, than it ever has been. I think what's changed is that I'm now more willing to obey God, um, hmm. which doesn't make obeying him easier. It mm-hmm. just makes it more frequent. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's good. So when it comes to, when it comes to calling um, you and I, like we said, we're, we, we feel called vocationally to full-time ministry but that's not everybody's story um that's not what everybody's going to be called to and and that a that's okay um there's nothing holier uh about being in ministry is different responsibility i would say but but not a it's not a higher calling necessarily in the terms of like 
a um, hierarchical structure in the kingdom of God. Um, but what would you, you wanted to give a little bit of background on, on this calling thing when it comes to being a disciple and, and is calling back when Jesus called his disciples to follow him. Is that the same as it is today? That's a, it's a really good question. And it's a, it's a deep question. There's, there's a lot to it. And and there's a lot of terms that we kind of need to understand. Um, One for for who we are like we are we are followers of jesus we're christian um it is a different religion with different um different traditions than uh judaism was back in the day so there are going to be some kind of differences um oftentimes how it would work was uh, a disciple would essentially move out of their house they would um they would, you know, quit their job or, or whatever um, financial support they had in their life. They would, um, they would leave that behind. They would leave their home, leave everything, and they would go and live their life with a rabbi. Uh, and they would follow the rabbi around. And, and rabbis also needed some sort of money to buy, you know, bread and, and whatnot. And, uh, and so they would they would almost go for like the odd jobs. Like they would, you know, they'd go around town and they'd say, you know, do you need a, you need an extra pair of hands today? And, mm-hmm. and that was just perfectly okay, perfectly acceptable. Um, and so all of the rabbi from a synagogue would do that as well as their disciples. And they would kind of put all the money into a sock and, and divvy that up or, or whatever. That was Judas's job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he always spilt it on the ground, but mm. Um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of what being a disciple was back then. And so their primary objective was to learn. Mm -hmm. That was their 100%. That was all they did. They just, they just learned. That was their, their calling. That was their goal. Um, and so in a lot of ways that, that relationship between rabbi and disciple, they were shaped by culture. Um, the way that, we disciple now is very different from the way that uh, discipleship took place um, back mm-hmm. in the day where back in the day they would live life together. They would, um, they would go to, you know, they would sleep in the same house in the same room. They would do all of their grocery shopping together, all of their, they would work together. They would do everything together and the disciple would witness and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas now, like discipling, obviously, you know, we have a hundred odd students and not a single one of them, thankfully, live at my house. Praise not the that, Lord. <laughs> not that, you know, if somebody's in a hard spot, we would turn them away. We would find something for them. But like, thank you for not living at my house. Students. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's good things about the rabbinic <laughs> model. And then there's some things yeah. we're glad that they're gone. Right. And so in that way, it, it's very shaped by culture and, and culture yeah. is so much different mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Uh, and so there are, there are very distinct differences. Now, the one thing that's kind of left out in the rabbinic model of discipleship is the practical side of things. Now we hear of Jesus' disciples and we think of the 12 disciples, but another term that's used for them is the the apostles 
And the so people we, that had been with Jesus. Yeah. 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 And, and so, you know, then we have to kind of look, well, what's, what does that term mean? And, and I looked, I, I went through a whole bunch of different articles to kind of get a summary. Um, Cause you know, you can check one definition and that's great, but I wanted to get sort of a summary of what all of the definitions, how people classify what an apostle is. And the general consensus is that an apostle is someone Jesus entrusted the early church to, but ultimately it means someone who is commissioned by a person and then represents that person. Hmm. Um, and, and in some ways that's, that's part of what being a disciple is but it's, it's not the whole thing. So they are, they're similar, but they're different. Uh, apostleship is a specific gift from the Holy Spirit, um, and someone receives that and is generally used to equip the gifted person in, in God's mission to specifically grow the church. Yeah, starting new things. like Exactly. That, and which is what you know, the apostles did. They, they started, mm-hmm. they kick-started the church in, in, in its many expressions and its many geographical locations. Exactly. And, and so what we can see in, in kind of, I would say, two very specific cases— one where Jesus actually sends out his disciples, where he commissions them to, uh, to go and act on his behalf under his authority. And then as well on the mountain between his resurrection and his ascension in Matthew chapter 28, when he actually commissions them officially. We call it the Great Commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was, so I was listening to a, a preacher the other day. Uh, his name is Dr. Tony Evans. I don't know if nice. you've ever heard. Some I have of heard stuff. of him. Yeah, he's he's quite a, a interesting guy. I, I like the way he he speaks. But he's the former uh, chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Mavericks. So like, it's quite a gig. My language. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love the sport analogies that he's got, and uh, and the way he talks about this is he he talks about like you know when you go to the game. Uh, when you go to the Cowboys game, you've got three teams taking the field. He said, you've got the home team, you've got the away team, and they're always going to be at odds because they want to get the football to, you know, the other end um, than each other. So they're, they're always going to be standing in each other's way. But then he talks about the, the other, the third team is the, the officials, the representatives um, of the league and, and how the refs, they're, they're actually given authority from the league to bring the authority of the office above down to the field below. Uh, And the ref's personal opinion kind of becomes irrelevant. They exist to bring the governance to the field. Um, And, and so he, he relates this to what being a disciple is for us today in our culture. We are called to learn. Absolutely. Um, And that never stops. We want to be eternal students, but we are now also called as disciples to go and act on Jesus's behalf. Um, We are, uh, we're given Jesus's authority. And what's cool about that is that in the great commission, Jesus says that all authority on heaven and on earth uh, belongs to me before he Uh, before he commissions us he says as well that uh i will be uh, surely i will be with you always to the very end of the age and because it's not the very end of the age yet uh 
we are then able uh, to say, well, Jesus is still with us. That that meeting on the mountaintop is is still in session. We can still go and meet with Jesus about this. And now as disciples, we are actually given Christ's authority. And so we can kind of piggyback off the privileges of Jesus. When we go and when we disciple, when we talk to people, we can do so with the authority that Jesus has. Yeah, that's good. I like that analogy of like the sports thing. For, for somebody who loves sports, that, that resonates. I wanted, to, I wanted to like pull something out of what you mentioned at the beginning of like when you were explaining the rabbinic model and this idea of learning and leaving their house. I think where that lands for us today is in this realm of calling is that those who are called to be followers of Jesus, we are all called to leave the thing that was once comfortable, a.k.a. our old lives, to drop everything. Now, it may not actually be our job. For some people, that's the case. But others, just our our old ways of living, our old habits, all of these things. And to, yeah, be lifelong learners of Jesus, to follow him, to sit at his feet and to listen, to do all of these things. And so I like, thanks for, for laying such a good foundation as to like what that, what, who those people are, which is all of us. Um, and I think that um, when we, when we have, when we're talking about calling is thou now where we, we begin to see this, not fork in the road, but um, different pathways to the same um, direction, I would say, or to the same location is, is what are people called to? How do we know? what we're called to. So for example, how would someone know if they're called to full-time ministry or how would somebody know that they're called to uh, minister to something? First thing I want to say is that I think we're all called to the same thing. And that's what you've talked about in being a disciple and being an apostle and, and walking with that authority that Jesus has given us for, for Jesus followers. That's everybody. Like just nobody left out of that calling. Um, We're, we're called to, if not empowered by spiritual gifts to do the work of evangelism. Um, there's some people who are legitimately just spiritually empowered and more efficient at it than other people, but we're all called to live our lives in a way that gives glory to Jesus that enjoys him. Um, because that's how, why we were made is to enjoy God for eternity. And, and then there's these things, uh, and these different ways that, that God uses us in different places. So for the students listening, your current vocation is is that you're you're a student. You've been this is the place, and so this is a contextual. I would say where God calls you in your context, and 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 so that's where you in your days in your lives where you sit and you listen, and you ask. So for an example, I'm hearing stories coming out of like Youth Alpha, um, which is a tool, a great tool of of telling people about Jesus. And then there's many students in our in our youth group that are involved in this, um, that are that are leading um, alphas in their school. This is a part of living out that calling in your context. Uh, it's an amazing thing to hear about students and teachers coming to these alphas, like just the way that that God is working through these people who are being obedient to the calling that God's placed on their lives. Now, these people who who step up in their leadership. Um, like there's, there's an obedience there. Now, not everybody's spiritually gifted as a leader or not everybody has the same leadership abilities, but I think that's one of the ways that we find our calling or the way that it's supposed to be expressed. So 
I had the chance to sit down with a, a pastor a number of months ago who's, uh, who pastors a bit of a larger church in here in Canada. And, and I asked him about calling. I, I said, like, how did you know what you were called to? Like all of these things. And he, he broke it down into, into four different ways or four different callings. as you. Um, and, and I just want to kind of go through those real quick. Um, and so there's he, the first one was is the I have no choice calling um basically experiencing a spiritual encounter that can't be ignored now these are people like jeremiah like isaiah like moses like these people had experiences that you know you just can't ignore like ezekiel even when he meets god he just falls flat on his face and says the spirit filled him just so he could face god um it's crazy so like there's these amazing but not necessarily applicable to everybody's story. Not everybody has these. Um, I think that probably I, if I was going to uh, try to label my own calling, I, I would say maybe a partially this. I didn't have an experience where like God met me face to face. I heard his voice clearly when he said pastor, when I asked what he wanted me to do with my life. And he continued to say that every single time I asked. But um there are there are those who have these callings and 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 um it's it's a gift but it's not a pre pre i always mess that word up prerequisite um to following him uh there is the gifting calling now here's where i think our youth ministry is really well built um to to discover gifting so um there are people in their spiritual gifts, which if you are a follower of Jesus, you have at least one um, that you've been given to bless and to, to further the kingdom of God here on earth. And, and there are certain gifts or you will have your gift and you will find that in the place that you thrive in particular ministry. Now that doesn't necessarily mean in between the walls of the church. That can, that can be evangelism and, and, and you leading alpha in your school. You just have a heart for, for people who don't know Jesus, you find that when you pray, you pray for lost people. Uh, and I could, we could do a whole teaching on spiritual gifting, which maybe we will later on in this series, but it's, it's those things. And when you're trying to find your calling, those things that either a, I've heard this said that probably make you the most upset in church when it doesn't seem to be going as it should, or it's the thing that when, um, and this is kind of a, a Another segue into a different uh, one of these callings is when people point that out to you. Um, so just to kind of give an example of this, and this is just a personal story. I remember the first time I stood up in front of a campfire at camp and gave a, like a mini sermon. Um, I don't claim to be the best preacher. I think I'm a, I'm a decent preacher at best. But I remember somebody came up to me and said, wow, you should you should be a pastor. You, you've got a voice. You've got something to say. You're, you've got, you're decent at preaching. And at this point, I was not. Like I had no, the skill-wise was very undeveloped. But um, the next one is like that community affirmation. Um, so people around you saying, ah, I see this in you. Now, that doesn't just necessarily mean pastoral ministry. Like these are all applicable in, in, in other jobs. Um, so, for example, like I, I know people who are incredibly gifted at, my, at, at working with their hands. It, it just comes naturally to them. My brother is one of these people who, who's very gifted. It comes to them very quickly. 
um, when it's carpentry or masonry or, you know, whatever that is. Um, and, and, and so then the community around you kind of affirms you in this. Now, there's a difference between community um, affirmation and then being pushed in a particular direction or way. Uh, affirmation says, hey, I see this in you. Um, I affirm this gift or the skill in you. And then you are given opportunities to either lead or, 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 or spaces to grow in this, this space um, that, uh, that, that these particular people have and see. Um, it was actually a community affirmation that, that uh, showed me that um, I'm not to be a worship person. Because... Uh, <laughs> I was communally affirmed that that's not a gifting of mine. Oof. <laughs> I thought <laughs> prophecy was only for encouragement, strengthening, and comforting. It it, uh, it comforted the rest of the people. Yeah, that's okay, missing. there you go. That's, that's there. Somebody was doing it kind of right then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that works. It's a good point. Like maybe there's, 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 so there's, there's spaces in my life where I've, people have had to say, you're not good at this. Um, or this isn't for you. And, and so, and they've said so graciously and lovingly out of a heart of like, I see you thriving in other spaces and areas. And, and, and that worship part is jokingly, but also, you know, touches a good point of maybe there's, there are spaces that we are not called to just due mm -hmm. to ability, um, both natural and spiritual giftings. So, um, and then the, the, the fourth one is, is the family calling. Now this one was, uh, an interesting one. So, through the people who have gone before you, the people who are listening to this, who have prayed for you, who have um, have lifted you up into the throne of the Father and said, "Whatever we, whatever you want with the, them, God, they they prayed for you." And and again, I come from a family of pastors, and I by no means join the family business. I have the ability and the accessibility of 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 having great resources uh, in my family, but. Uh, there was no expectation that when I decided my, my, my job that it was supposed to be or, or had to be a pastor. Um, but there was a praying um, over um, all of the, there's like 21 grandkids in one side of my family and, and my grandparents were praying for all of them and my great grandparents were praying for all of them. And where all of us are now is, is been a part of that um, people praying for us in that space. And so, the, the one thing that I would say out of all of these, whether it's the I have no choice calling or the gifting calling or the family calling or the community affirmation calling, is if you're still trying to figure out, you're like, I don't know mine. Kind of go back to the beginning. Have you stopped? Have you sat down? Have you asked Jesus? And are you ready for the answer? Uh, and are you ready to be, to be told whatever that might be? Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think that kind of, that touches like the what everybody's called to. And then, sort of the how do we know um, that. So then, uh, Nick, what, what do we do once we know what God's called us to? Uh, we run away and get swallowed by a big fish, and then later it spits you up near Nineveh, and you have to go and uh, shout at people who beat you with fish. Jonah model is the best model, I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, once we know, it's we're, we need to obey. Mm -hmm. like, and and it's, it's, I guess sometimes it's a discipline 
but man like once you know then it's just a joy to be able to to do that to obey to to do what god is asking you to do yeah so after this five years that you would ask god what you were wanting to do when you got your answer what was like the first step if you can if you can recall and go back yeah well so for for most of my life i wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps Um, Mm. he was a he was a businessman um, worked for motorola sold cell phones um you know, was the national account manager to kind of get the razor phone out to Canada. So I was like, Oh man, like what a cool job. I want to do that. And, you know, through, throughout my life, I I just, I took an interest in in that kind of stuff and um, loved business and numbers and whatnot. Mm. Um, And that was just my goal. And uh, so I, I, guess I kind of like I I asked God you know what do I what should I be and in my mind my two options were do I want to be a um, an engineer of types of sorts so that I could design cell phones or do I want to be a businessman where I get to sell them just like that so those were kind of the two options that I was sort of giving God without giving God those two options because they were the only two I was prepared to hear which I think is why it took five years before I heard. Right. Um, and then uh, high school came around and, and we did a, uh, uh, we have a take your kid to work day uh, in Ontario. I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same in Alberta. Nice. Um, and, and so I was just like, I was looking forward to this day, like crazy, like for years, I'm talking like a good three, four years. I was like, so excited for this one day in high school where I would get to go to work with my dad um, and, and, you know, explore my future career, of course, because uh, that's where I was going to be working. And uh, it just so happened that dad was on a business trip in Vancouver um, on that day. Mm. And I, I couldn't go to work with him because couldn't fly to Vancouver. I didn't want to go to work with my mom because she, uh, she was a school teacher at the time. Um, she was the kids pastor at our church, however, for 10 years. Um, and then when I started high school, she, uh, she ended up going back into teaching. Um, and so I was kind of moping in my room and mom behind my back, um, thankfully arranged that I would go to work, uh, with my youth pastor that day. Um, cause we were close. It was a small enough youth group that that was, you know, that was just something that, that was possible. And, uh, and I went to work, uh, I went to work, his name's Joel, um, and and we, at that time, our church had a farm, we still had that farm um, back home, and the youth had our own barn, it was cool, it was like one of the best places you could go hang out as a youth, because it was just concrete floor, metal walls, you could kick a dodgeball off those walls and not break anything, it was amazing. Um, and so my job for the day was sweeping up all the dead flies. Uh, from the winter, uh, which was awful. That was like not a lot of fun because after you swept them all up, then you get to mop the entire floor. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, I think we went back to his office. We we photoshopped our faces onto Mario Kart characters. Nice. Um, and that was pretty much the day. Mm-hmm. So very indicative of uh, pastoring, of course. 
Right. Right. Exactly. Janit- That's, uh, we don't put the Mario thing on our timesheet though. Right. Yeah. Janitorial work in Photoshop. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And, uh, I went to, I went to bed that night and, um, as I was laying there, I heard God just say, um, by the way, this is what you're going to be doing with your life. Hmm. And, and it was so clear. Um, it wasn't audible, but I knew that it was from God. I don't know how I knew, but when I heard it, I just knew that that was God. Um, and that's what he said. He said, by the way, this is what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. with your life. And I knew he didn't mean custodian work. Um, but I, the call was so clear mm-hmm. that I couldn't deny it. Um, and I wasn't upset about it, mm-hmm. um, which was which was kind of cool, like, because it was a huge blow to my plans. Like, I was ready for business, business, business. I was in business classes. Uh, I just, I loved everything about it. And, uh, and then he threw something that's very different um, at me. And I don't know, there was something, something that was so clear about that call that I, I became excited about that new route. And, and the year after I, uh, I flew out to LYC um, at Ambrose for that year and, and just kind of explored the school and, and was excited about it. And, and I kind of just made up my mind. Um, I knew that that's where I was going to be going. And then through, uh, through communal affirmation and, and gifting affirmation, it just became apparent that, um, that this was what I was supposed to be doing. So it was kind of a mix of, of, you know, three of those where, you know, I heard that call from God. I, it was undeniably from God. Um, it was, I was like supernaturally excited about it because I don't like change at all. I like things to, I like to be stable. I like to know what's coming tomorrow and the week after and the month after and the year after. I like to have things, I like to just know what's happening. And, and this threw a wrench in those plans that I had made for myself already because I had planned out from when I was going to be starting high school to when I die. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the ripe old age of, I think I chose 120. Nice. Uh, yeah. Some goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, more time to work was kind of what I was thinking. So um, it was uh, something like that would normally just, just throw me for a loop. And, and I was extremely excited. Um, so that it was just kind of this supernatural um, feeling about it. And then through, the months and years leading up to finishing high school and going to Ambrose um, and even while at, at school there, um, mm. it was, it was just kind of affirmed to me through uh, mentors and friends and, and colleagues and whatnot. Nice. Nice. So what I would say to those people who are listening right now and they're like, they're waiting for that definite call. Um, they're waiting for that, like, aha moment where I seem to know and other people seem to know, but I don't know. Why don't I know? Don't know yet. Um, A, you're still a student. You're not out of the season yet of, of the place that God has you now. Um, there, there might be people who, who are convinced and they know what God's going to do. The thing, the thing that I would say, and maybe this is a great way for us to kind of wrap this up is to, uh, if you don't know what your giftings are, or you don't know what you sent yourself called, what you're called to try new things honestly 
try, try, try. Like Nick didn't know until he had tried. And that was like, his mom really set him up for that. Like there are these, there's these things that we just don't know we love or do, or could even realize that we might be called to until we try. Um, the other thing is, is if you do know what you're doing, um, and, uh, and you do, um, you do have an idea. So say you're, you're going to, you, you set the next eight years of your life up and you're going to be a doctor after high school, like good on you. Don't forget what God has called you to in that living your life as an example of Jesus, a continual learner of Jesus and to obey even in your vocational calling. Was there anything you wanted to add to that? I, I was at a conference when I was a kid. Um, I think, I think I was a youth leader at the time and I don't remember who said it. I don't remember what city I was in or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I remember what was said. Um, and it was a guy, he was talking about his son who really enjoyed skateboarding and his son, um, had friends over or, or met some people and they said like, Oh, you know, what do you do or who are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm, you know, Johnny, I'm a skateboarder. And his dad stopped him later and he said, you know, we're not, we're not what we do. Um, we're not, uh, you know, you're not a skateboarder, but you're a disciple who skateboards. And that's been mm. something that stuck with me for so long. Yeah. Because in everything that we are, we're not just what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get my identity from what I'm good at. I get my identity from God, mm. from from the authority of Jesus. I love that point so much. If I could just, I, I, cause I remember a line from Dallas Willard. He said that Jesus could come and do what you do and still accomplish his mission. Mm -hmm. Right. That is, it's like what we do is a part of that, but the mission is the same. Totally. Yeah. 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 That's just been something that, uh, I, I heard that probably, probably close to 10 years ago now. And, uh, and it's just been stuck with me every day since. Amazing. Amazing. Well, hey, cool. This is, this is good. I hope that you have enjoyed this deeper dive um, a little bit deeper than when we went last night. Um, so uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. We will uh, see you guys next week. Do we need a fun outro? Do, you, do we need to say something? We need a tagline. Um, Ready? Okay. Three. We'll just, we'll, you start it and I'll finish it. You set okay. me up. Okay, ready? Three, uh, two, one, whatever comes to your mind, go. And this has been Johnny Reed and Flappy Magoo. We're going to see you back here next week on podcast four. Number two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, see you guys.